Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 229, Ending the War with Your Body with Christina Bruce. You're tuned in to Changeable with Dr. Amy Johnson. Changeable podcast is all about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey there, welcome back to Changeable. Before we dive into this amazing episode with Christina, I wanted to tell you about the holiday giveaway that's happening over on my Instagram page. So for this week only, the week of December 5th, 2022, you can go to my Instagram page, which is dr.amy.johnson and enter to win. And you can enter all week. And then next week, the week of December 12th, we're going to be choosing winners each day. So the prizes that we're giving away um, are pretty amazing. Everything from my books to my book, Just a Thought, with the digital companion course that goes along with it. We're giving away the Little School of Big Change self-study course. And we're even giving away the Change Coach self-study course, which is an enormous value. So head over to my Instagram page this week, the week of December 5th. You'll see all the instructions on how to enter. And then check it out on December 12th to see if you won. Okay, so today's episode is with body acceptance coach, Christina Bruce. And I love this episode. I love this topic, as you know. Um, It's something that I'm passionate about, that I've seen a ton around myself as as recently as yesterday. (laughs) You know, this is a a really fresh thing for me. and, And I know I've shared before that so much is like just falling away around judgment and just seeing the invisible thinking that had been running around food and body stuff for years and years and years. It feels like it's just coming off in chunks at this point, which is an incredible feeling. And it's been a long road. And I absolutely love the way that Christina talks about this topic, about loving our bodies and and seeing through the conditioning because truly, 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 the only problem any of us ever has with how we look or how we feel in our body is conditioning. It's not your body. Your body's not the problem. It's never been the problem. It is the world and then our own heads telling us that fat is bad and this is better and that is better and it means this and it means that. And as you know, all of that is a lie. Honestly, all of it is a lie. Even down to a lot of the the way that our mind and, and others in the world kind of tie health into our weight and tie uh, you know, worth and discipline and all kinds of things. It gets so messy and it just doesn't have to be. So Christina, you'll hear it. I mean, she has so much passion, so much knowledge and so much firsthand knowledge, so much personal experience with this topic that it's really amazing um, to just hear her go off on this. And I loved it. I loved our conversation where I would just be able to kind of toss something out and she just took it and ran with it. And I was just kind of sitting there in awe, like eating it all up as she's just sharing. So she's so passionate about this. She shares it in such a knowledgeable, articulate way. You'll hear her talk about how she went from trying to micromanage her body size and just all the pain that that caused, which I know is is familiar to many of us, and how she came to really be at peace with her body, however it is. That cycle, you know, where we 
maybe lose some weight, then you get some accolades and everyone's saying, oh, you look great. And what did you do? And how that just wants to feed your mind and it just keeps this cycle going. But even as, as good as that might feel in the moment, it always, always comes with fear. It always comes with, oh no, but what if this changes? Or now I have to maintain it. Or it, it is a, it is not a, it is not a win. It is, it is certainly not freedom. And it's a cycle that we'll never kind of master. We have to see this as a cycle that happens and let it go and rise above it. And Christina has done that and she shares just super important information around this. I love that we went into a lot of detail about how messy and emotional it can be to start to just eat normally and without restriction and without judgment. That is that is so simple when you say it, but it it is it can be a very difficult, messy, emotional thing to kind of let go of the quote unquote control we think we have over our body size and just say, you know what, I'm just going to nourish myself and let things that things play out the way they're going to play out. So much freedom, though, on the other side of that messiness. So much. And I think because it's messy and it's emotional and it's scary, many, many people never get through to the other side. We just get scared and we stop and stay trying to control everything. And, um, you know, there's so much freedom when you can kind of see that for what it is, keep doing what deeply, deeply feels right, even when it's messy and kind of come out the other side free of this. So I hope that this conversation inspires you. I know it will. If this is a topic that's that's um, alive for you, I think you're going to hear so much in this conversation with Christina. And Christina is a coach. She works with people in groups. And personally, I'll put her... Um, website address here in the show notes. It's just christinabruce.com. You can follow her on Instagram also. She has amazing content on Instagram. Christina Bruce Coach is her Instagram. Um, and I really recommend checking her out because you'll you'll hear it. You'll hear as you listen to her talk. She's pretty amazing. So enjoy this conversation with Christina. Hi, Christina. Thank you so much for coming on Changeable. Thanks so much for having me, Amy. I'm really excited to talk with you. Yeah, me too. So, um, so yes, and I love this topic that we're going to talk about body acceptance. And um, is that what you call it? You call yourself a body acceptance coach? I do. Yeah, yeah. it's it's. I, I mean, I focus, I think, more on on like body image, uh-huh. but it can extend to to just accepting even how our body is moving or functioning, and just our body in general. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I feel like, I know we've spoken a little bit. Um, this is just such a topic that I think is so important and that I, I feel, I don't know if you feel this way doing this work. So you work with people one-on-one, you do groups, you, I'll share all your information. I love your Instagram. I love the stuff that you put out. I mean, it just feels so positive. And it also, you know, I read through your Instagram and I'm like, Oh yeah, like it just has that sense of like like 
oh yeah, wait a minute. This is learned. The, these struggles and this way that I feel about my body and the, and the feelings I have that sometimes are so subtle, we don't even notice them anymore. I mean, gosh, I just, I'm, I'm sure you do too. And we'll get into this, but I just think about decades of my life of catching a halfway glimpse of a reflection and it ruining my day and, and often not even being aware of that really, you know, and I know so many people are going through that. So I feel like this is such a huge topic and, um, and, and it feels like people are ready to hear a different side of it. Do you find that? Yes and no. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's, I find that there comes, well, okay, so let me say this. Firstly, this is new pretty much um, into the mainstream that there is, th- there's this idea that, hey, like we don't have to spend our lives constantly trying to manipulate our body size, our appearance in order to feel good enough, be healthy and that message, like me growing up, never existed. <laughs> like yeah. it just was kind of the, the the subtext of it was do your best to to look your best and your best, uh, the looking of your best is whatever, you know, you see on TV or what the culture dictates or what your doctor tells you in terms of your body size. Like you were just fed all this information. It's like, this is how you're supposed to be. And now you are a better person, a more valuable person, the closer you are to this ideal. Mm -hmm. And that was just, and and I think for for a lot of people, it's still considered fact. And I mean, it's such a big topic, especially getting into the health piece of it, which is like a whole other thing on its own. I, I found that once I learned that I didn't need to so much worry about my body size in order to be healthy and and focus so much on food and exercise for health that what impacted that were so many different variables that makes a person healthy. Once I really learned and understand that, it opened me up to feel kind of safer doing that. Like, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing things that are going to really, um, negatively impact my health down the road, then I felt safe to open up and look at the body image piece of it, which I I do think is actually the more predominant piece for people. Even when they say like, I'm focusing on health, there's a really good chunk that's like, and I'll look better. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So yes, like, so to that point, there, now that this is out there and available and more commonplace, if people come across it, they can get to a point where they will say the pain of me trying to keep my body smaller, looking younger, like whatever it may be is starting to, or has outweighed the pain of thinking that I need to look a certain way or, or just basically being how I am. It's like, that's where I think the realization comes in. So when people hit that sort of tipping point, then they're ready. Yeah. But a lot of people still, I find, may not be ready for that yet. But it's nice to know that there's a there's a way out there now, at least talking about it, information you can get um, 
inspiration you can follow, images and 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 representation of of different body sizes, which just really you didn't find so much anymore in a more of a predominant you know role. That it's out there really can help facilitate this process to doing this kind of work. Yeah. No, I think you said that perfectly. That makes so much sense. And um, that we hit that tipping point. I know I hit that tipping point. I see people um, in my communities that have, but you're right. There's a lot of people who haven't or or who are aware. Like you said, it's on somewhere on their radar that it doesn't have to be this way, but it just... But, but it still feels this way. This, the conditioning is still strong or the suffering just hasn't gotten strong enough to force them to kind of see it a new way. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. I learned about, so there's a common way of uh, eating right now that would be, I guess you might hear, see it on social media is called quote unquote anti-diet. So basically like everything not dieting um, and intuitive eating falls under this umbrella. It's, it is a, a book that was written by two dietitians, And so that's where the name comes from. Essentially, it's like, you know, what if we had never learned anything about foods that were good and bad or right or wrong or how much you should eat or how much you shouldn't eat and all these ideas around food. Like if everything was neutral and you just got to experiment by like eating something and you noticed how you felt and then you tried something else and you noticed how you felt, you would likely end up just intuitively choosing foods that over the long term were balanced, felt good, and there would really be no stress or worry about it. So that is um, a way of eating that is that I came across and was like, wow, this, this seems so free. Yeah. And yet I was like, but if I do this, I'm going to gain weight. And I just can't like I this was after me suppressing my weight um, for years mm -hmm. and it just felt way too scary. So I needed a year to kind of for other things to change, for the pain to get worse yeah. and to sort of to be open to going down this path. Yeah, yeah, that that's that really resonates. So. Can you say a little more about your experience with this? So kind of how you grew up with this and how this all kind of got to be a thing for you? Yeah. Um, so my earliest and strongest memories about learning that being in a thin body was considered better and that I felt like I would be more valuable more lovable if I was in a smaller body really came from my family. It came specifically, specifically from the women in my family is where I absorbed it. They were women who, like I, my genetic line is we're not tiny people. <laughs> like we're, we just naturally are in sort of average sized or bigger bodies, but, um, the culture for centuries, I mean, I don't know if it's centuries, but it's definitely a century, if not more, has been about idolizing, you know, thinness in the female body. It's not centuries because there was periods where a bigger body was <laughs> um, idolized. Also showing that like body ideals change over time. Yeah. Um, but let's say for the past century, especially in, you know, my grandmother's generation, like it was all about maintaining a small body. And so the thing is, is that not to get into this too much, but 
usually history of dieting will end up making you in a bigger body size over time. Um, and so all the women in my family who probably would have just been in average size bodies ended up being in larger bodies because they were just constantly dieting. And they would, like, I would remember they would sit around and kind of like mention how much they weighed on their wedding day, like almost as some kind of a, like some kind of weird subtle competition <laughs> of like, if I was smaller than that was better. Um, and also as if they were like remembering this time when they were just at their best yeah. and they forever have been trying to reclaim that. So I really picked up this messaging, like they're bigger, they're not happy. Um, there, something's wrong with that. And my sister was always a, a little bit smaller than me. And they would compliment her body being smaller and they would never compliment mine. And so I picked up like, okay, so clearly my body here is, is a problem then. This is on the bad side. And I really, so I really internalized that message. And now growing up, I somehow managed, like, thank God, I think it was because I was just so involved in extracurriculars at school and sports. Like maybe I was so busy in that. I I just wasn't focused on my body. And it wasn't until I graduated university and I was sort of like out on my own, you know, for the first time, like as an adult trying to make it in the world. And I decided I want to focus on being thin, like once and for all, I want, I want to know what it's like to be in this smaller body. And, and I, and frankly, I wanted the appreciation and love from my family. I wanted them to comment on my body and tell me that I looked good because I never got that when I was young. I was also single and I wanted to date somebody. And I thought, well, that will just increase my, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, be like, quote unquote, higher quality in the dating market if I was like closer to the ideal for the beauty standard. So I just really focused on, you know, standard diet and exercise and I lost this weight. And I really noticed the compliments that came in. Like it was obvious. I, I had, it was so obvious that on the one hand, it felt really good. I kind of felt like I made it. And then on the other hand, I also felt kind of sad because sad that, you know, well, why weren't these people, you know, saying these nice things to me before? Like I'm still the same person. I'm just in a smaller body size. And then what also was there was a lot of fear. Mm -hmm. Oh, crap. Now I have to keep this. Mm -hmm. So I focused for a good chunk of my 20s and early 30s, really making sure that I stayed a certain size. And the funny part was, is I never felt like I was small. It didn't matter. It didn't matter if I looked in a photograph. Like all I saw was I could be smaller. Yeah. I remember being at stores and like store people, like store clerks would like make a comment to me. Oh, like you're so tiny. I'm like, what? Like, who are they talking about? You know, it just, it never registered that my body was that small. So I never got to have this feeling of confidence and like everything's good now because I'm in this small body. I Isn't was that still, ironic? That's what the yeah, whole thing was for and you didn't even get it. The whole thing is for. <laughs> I was still so insecure. I was hyper fixated on my body. Now, 
all around this time is when in my mid 20s, I started to get into, you know, like I opened up more to spirituality and kind of personal development stuff. So it's when I first learned about meditation and um, yoga. And so around this time, I became a yoga teacher. And then I really got into this wellness world of yoga and, and, you know, eating quote unquote well. And I remember it's like, I, I did no sugar. And I really now felt like I could be even better, the more pure I ate. Like it was like, I'm, I'm a pure person now. If I just follow these diets and don't eat processed food and eat quote unquote clean. And so that became a part of my life. And then I was working, ended up getting a job working in an office, and I became known as the health and wellness girl in the office because I would teach yoga and I would give presentations. So I had this identity forming around being this health and wellness person, which also in my my mind meant I needed to also keep this body. I needed to have the look. I needed to look like a yogi. I needed to look like, and actually I remember being at my very first coaching training and I was in person and, and the actually head coach person who was training me said, well, you're the picture of health and wellness, like in front of everybody. So there was that kind of instilled. So there was a lot of this pressure. Okay. So fast forward now. I'm I'm going through this life coach training. Um, I also really got into the work of Byron Katie. So I'm starting to now realizing that, oh, I, I can see how these beliefs that I have in my mind, this thinking is really directly related to how I'm feeling about myself and my experience. But I hadn't really put the two pieces together that maybe my thinking about my body was the source and not, you know, my body itself. Um, it really happened when I had met my then boyfriend, now husband, And he, at the time when he was my boyfriend, moved in with me. And prior to that, I was just living by myself. And I started to notice that I was getting extra anxious because I couldn't control my eating and my exercise if I actually wanted to spend time with my boyfriend. It was like, watch a TV show with him or work out. And so, or eat dinner together or eat separately and like pre-portion all my foods. So that was, that was tough. And so I quote unquote relaxed a little bit more because I actually wanted this relationship and spend time with him. And my weight started to go up really quickly and that freaked me out. So I, I was like, can't do it. Double down. So I went even harder, was weighing myself every day. And I remember my boyfriend at the time, him saying to me, I was, I never knew who was going to come out of the bathroom that day because I knew you would weigh yourself. And if I even went up one pound, it would ruin my day. Like it was just over. Or I'd come home from work and if dinner wasn't ready right away, because he was home at the time, I would freak out. And I didn't know at the time, I was just really hungry. Like I was kind of, I was always hungry because I wasn't eating enough for my body. So I ended up really, there was kind of this rock bottom where I was about to go on this super restrictive diet and I paid like over a thousand dollars for it. And the night before 
I was going to start. I just, I remember this clear as day. I was in my bed and I just started sobbing. It was like, we're, we're, I'm with him. We're going to sleep. I'm sobbing. I'm like, I can't do it. I can't do it. Like, I can't live my life like this anymore. And then, and then that was the, that was the tipping point. That's when I stopped and I said, okay, scale goes out the door. I'm stopping all of this. I'm stopping dieting. I'm not counting my calories anymore. I'm I'm just, it's all open. Everything is on the table. And what was really supportive. So again, like, I don't think I could have done this if it wasn't for these social media accounts and these books that were out and these podcasts were, that are talking about uh, body acceptance and weight science and this whole new way of looking at your body and food and, and health and, and body image. So I dove head first. I read this really powerful book called Health at Every Size that like blew my mind around weight science. And I understood now that, oh, what do you, oh my God. So just being big, like weight itself doesn't cause all these diseases. Are you kidding me? Like everybody says it does. So I just kind of kept going deeper and deeper. And that really supported me and keeping me on this path. But it was a hard path because now everything that I was afraid of was coming up for me. I gained weight rapidly. And I did because I was holding my, I was suppressing my weight in a place that my body just did not want to be. And I liken it to, I was holding a beach ball underwater. And as soon as I let go, it would just shoot right up. And that's what happened. And then I, I just, I couldn't handle like, what are people going to think of me? And guess what? The fear, the, the, the things I feared happened. People stopped complimenting me. Like I would see people I hadn't seen and nobody would say anything. Or people would ask me if I was pregnant when I wasn't pregnant. And which actually didn't really bother me that much. I, I used it as a way to try to take my power back and be like, no, I'm not pregnant. I just gained weight. Like really matter of factly. And I kind of loved like seeing yeah, people go, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, like they kind of get all tongue tied and freaked out because, oh my God, she just said that. So um, I went on this, on this journey of facing these fears and um, head on and just kind of kept going through it. And I remember another like pivotal point, what I would call recovery from dieting and, and weight suppression was I remember another crying moment, like being on the couch and just sobbing and sobbing and sobbing because it felt like somebody had died. Like it felt like a, like my, my my parents are still alive and it felt like this must be what it would feel like if my parent had died. Like that was the level of grief that I was experiencing. And I realized it's because I was mourning this identity, this person that I had created of like, or this life that being thin had given me, which was lots of external validation. I, it felt it felt good. It felt safe. It felt like I was important. It felt like I was valuable. It felt like I meant something. It felt like I had gotten it, you know, and I had control. And like, now I was just that this was it. I had met this condition that society had set for me and that was all taken away. And so it was like, well, now what then? Like, am I never going to be happy again? I knew I couldn't go back to dieting. In fact, I had tried it. I went back for four days and I, I could clearly see it was like I had walked myself back into a cage and shut the door. 
And I was like, okay, I can't do this. So, so there's got to be a way forward. There has to be a way forward. And a lot of the way forward was like feeling all the feelings. It was like an awful lot of crying. It was, it was being angry. It was like throwing tantrums at times. It was, and, 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 you know, and then it would kind of pass. Right. And then I would move on. And all of a sudden um, it was, it was understanding now, like, well, who am I if I'm, if I don't have this, you know, am I, am I still a good person? Am I still valuable? And so really it was then finding that deeper within myself. And really it was realizing how all of these ideas that I had about my body were learned that they came from cultural conditioning, that my that the women in my family were just as much conditioned and fearful about this or else they wouldn't be doing it. Like I sit here and look and I'm like, everybody's suffering with this. Like it doesn't matter if you're thin. You think that's gonna give you peace of mind? It's not because if if it's not easy for you, if it's not natural, if it if in any way you have to control or manipulate in order to keep it, there's suffering there. So yes, if you're on the higher end of the wake spectrum, the reality is like our culture is not very nice to people who are on the higher end and they're constantly telling them your body's the problem, you need to change it. And if you could, and they make it all about them and blame them, like it's rough. And on the flip side, somebody who's thin and if they identify their worth and value with their body size, then they're going to fear it. So nobody's free with this, but it's all learned. It's not true. And so when we can start to see that and like now I'm at a point where because the thoughts still come up occasionally, oh, like maybe I'd look better if I was thinner. And then I just don't really give it much mind anymore. Like it doesn't have the grip that it used to because I realize, well, that's just a BS thought that I learned. Like, wow, like this is crazy. Like, I don't need to think, like, I don't need to believe any of this. My, me having fat in my body says nothing about myself. And it doesn't even mean that I'm any less beautiful because those ideas of beauty are conditioned. So much heavy conditioning in our culture and it is in all aspects of our society. So that's why we may not even be awake to it because it's in our medical system, it's in the education system, it's in media and tele, like in, in all forms of media, it's everywhere. And, and it's very, I would say there's few people who haven't been affected by it unless those who like understand deeply the nature of thinking and beliefs that aren't affected by it anymore. Mm-hmm. So that was really long-winded, but there it is, Amy. Oh, I love it. It's so, <laughs> oh my gosh. And what it, what is so amazing about that is I, I mean, that's my story too. And I think that's everybody, I think that's like everybody can relate to aspects of that. Everyone, because you said it's everywhere. And that cycle, that cycle of, that we try so hard, like, no, I'm going to master this. So it's just like you said, you, you lose some weight, you get a ton of compliments, you get a ton of approval, you get a little hooked on that. And then the fear. And, and I think that is just so huge to see that it's when you, when it's not natural, when you had to work and manipulate and you have to sacrifice your life in order to maintain a smaller body, that is never, ever, ever going to be sustainable. And then, you know, and yeah, so then the fear starts and then, then you, you know, oh, and for me, it was a lot of thinking like, no, I, I can, I, I, 
I think this is common too. I put it all on myself. Like, no, I'll master this at some point. You know, like I'll get to just, I'll just get the diet down enough so that I just love only these five foods <laughs> and that it's very natural and it doesn't have to take up my whole life. And I would look around at people who seem to have sort of the quote unquote ideal body and not be struggling, which what the heck do we know? We don't know what somebody's going mm, through ever. So many people are struggling. Yes. <laughs> so yes. people and, are but struggling. it would look like they did yeah. it to my yeah, bias sure. thinking. And I would say, oh, well, see, they did it. So I can do it too. And I think that's a huge point to see that because you and I, people wouldn't have looked at us and thought we were struggling either. They they looked at you and your coach training and said, you're the per- you're the p- picture of health, you know, and no one knew what you're going through. So that's huge yeah. to see in this. And I think an important piece of this, and I'm, I'm going to bring this up because it's not so much about the, um, you know, maybe the, the worth and the value and the thinking around it. It's also a physiological aspect that's important because we are taught, you know, and, and, and when we're, we're told to just diet and we're told that if, sorry, we're told that if you gain weight, it's your fault. Yeah. Like we're, we're told that if you're in a bigger body size, it's because you eat too much and you don't exercise enough and that's it. Yeah. And it's so much more complex than that. Yeah. So much more complex than that. And like diets don't work because physiologically our body sees diets as starvation. That's how it reads it. Our body's not like, oh, like we're just going on a diet. It's like, you're not giving me enough food. And I think there's a famine. Is this famine? Yeah. Like, are we only going to eat potatoes? Like it's, <laughs> it, it freaks out. And it's like, okay, guess what? I am much happier to have quote unquote extra weight on my body than I am to have not enough. Because if I don't have enough, enough we don't have enough, we die. Like systems start to shut down. We don't have enough fuel to survive. And we're at risk of uh, if we get ill, we don't have the reserves. Like this is the, you know, the, the nature of the body, how it evolved. And so when we diet for so long and we go on these low calorie diets or even the mental restriction too, and that's another aspect of it that I'll get into, but physiologically, the body is going to start to try to make you eat more. Yeah. It's like food all of a sudden smells better yeah. and it tastes better. And you're like, oh yes, like I, I need to eat, I need to eat more. You start to think about it more. Like the body wants you to eat so it can survive. Yeah. And yet we blame ourselves then and think, I'm just not, I'm, I'm, I'm not strong enough. I don't have yeah. the willpower. I failed again. No, you didn't. Your body's like, please feed me. Because yeah. <laughs> we need yeah. to survive. I mean, I thought this was so interesting because I had a baby 14 months ago. And so with all of this understanding, I'm I'm watching now how they they treat her and her body size as a new baby. And they just couldn't have been more thrilled that she gained weight so fast. Like they were like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. There's even extra for, for, for good measure, like thumbs up. And I thought like, yeah, because if she doesn't have enough, like she's not going to make it because that's really the reality of it. And sure, we can go for a very long time in a suppressed and in a low weight and survive. I mean, the body is amazing at surviving, but is it thriving? Yeah. And then there's the the mental restriction piece. So even though we might be eating enough, if we still believe all these ideas of like, mm, I shouldn't have had that, or 
okay, I'll have some cookies, but I'll only have one or two. Or, okay, I had this, you know, carbs today. So I'm going to just have vegetables tomorrow. You know, like that is still restriction. So you have the other piece now and the mind's going to want to rebel. Like the mind's going to say, I just want freedom. And that's where the binging comes from. Yeah. And so then, so the binging is like the ideal, like recipe for it is suppression of actual food and, and mental restriction too of like, and it's so subtle. It's so subtle. And then so there's this piece of, well, yeah, but there are foods that are better and, and worse. Like, I mean, come on, you're going to tell, like, you know, eating nutrient dense foods is, of course, better than eating less nutrient dense foods. It's like, yeah, there are foods that are more nutrient dense than others. But so long as you have the idea and the strong belief that some are better than others, you're always going to be in a fight with it. Like you can't relax. And then this is where we come into the intuitive eating piece. If you can really decide and say, all food is neutral, it's not good or bad. And I know that's like a stretch for people, but try it out. It's not good or bad. Over the long run, if you really just had full permission to eat, you would come into balance. And people have experienced this over and over. There's usually a backlash that happens in the beginning if you restrict it. So for me, I went like hardcore bananas on ice cream when I stopped dieting. And I was eating ice cream every day, multiple times a day because full permission to eat. I was like, no, no more restriction. We're going for it. And there was a point that was like, will I ever stop eating ice cream? And then there's the fear of like, I'll gain weight forever and I'll never stop and I'm going to be a million pounds. And okay, so just another thought, right? So I just kept going with it. And guess what? It was like one day I just ate less ice cream. And then one day I didn't eat ice cream. And I was like, whoa, I used to think I was addicted to sugar because then there's this idea you're addicted to sugar. I did. Like I took a test and it was like, yeah, you're pretty addicted to sugar. I was like, that's why I can't leave the plate of cookies alone. Like I'm addicted to sugar. That's my problem. No, I wasn't. I was restricting it. That was a problem because I could never have cookies, chips, like anything that was off limits in my house because I would eat it all. Then all of a sudden, after I went through this, I have like the chocolate has been sitting on my counter for three days. And yeah. I'm like, man, I want it. That would have never yeah. happened. And it the mental never restriction happened. in that is so huge, <laughs> like you mentioned, because I know there's a lot of people I talk with and, and I used to think this too, like, no, I binge like two days ago. There's no way my body is physically deprived of food. I just ate enough food in a day, you know, for a week. But it's not about that. It's about, it's not only that. That's one piece of it. But yes, it's like if you look at those cookies and say, and even say, oh, like you said, I'll give myself one or, or maybe if I earn it or after I work out or what, like that, that's not cool. <laughs> like, and that is throwing your brain into wanting to obsess about it and wanting it. And, and physically, when you do eat the cookie, your metabolism is going to slow down and your body's going to try to hold on to everything, you know, because it's just, there's just that tension around it. And most people never get through the phase of allowing themselves to eat because yeah. the fear kicks in. It yeah. says like, I'm going to be a million pounds, so I have to stop. Yeah. Well, this is the opportunity now to start, you know, looking at those beliefs too. Like, is that true yeah. that that will actually happen? Or what 
have you learned that, like, what do you make that mean about yourself? Because there is so much layered into particularly fatness. I'm going to say it because I want to even say fat and notice if anybody feels like I just said a bad word. Yeah. Like notice the, do you have a resistance inside? Because we've just so been conditioned to see that as negative. So, so most people can't get through this phase of full permission to eat because they go back to restricting. Yeah. But it's like, really, it has to, when you let it run its course, eventually you get to a point where you're like, oh, all of a sudden I want a salad. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a pendulum swinging, right? It's been so pulled back on one side, you let it go. It's going to go all the way to the other side. And then that's when the point that people freak out and they say, see, can't trust myself with food. Look at me. I just ate like a house worth, right? Well, no. And then they go back to restrict. So then pull it all the way back to the other side. So, but if you really do let it go, it will find a balance, but there's going to be a storm usually of thoughts that are going to come up and feelings that are going to come up that seem so scary. And we project this future of, you know, my life and what does this mean and what's going to happen to me and all these things attached to it that usually prevent people from from moving through this. And also, I want to make one quick note too about the physical aspect as well. If somebody has been really restricting for a very long time, like particularly with eating disorders, there is a thing where people will become literally feel like they're insatiable. And it's because the body is, is really trying to kind of catch up from these years of of deprivation. And in the end, I really look at it like the body saying, can I really trust you? Like, will you actually feed me regularly and give me what I want and what I crave? Because trust has been broken, yeah. right? Like in, innocently, like it's not on purpose. So this refeeding phase is also very common too. So it's complex, it's layered, there's physical aspects, there's, but I find it's the mental piece and the, the, the thoughts and the feelings, which is obvious, which is what gets in the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's so important, like you're saying, to just make it really clear. It's a messy process, but, but in this, and it was for me too, but I think knowing, um, like you're saying that it, just hearing from enough people and, and starting to see even the science behind it, that it does even out the science and also what we share on this podcast that that life is in balance everything like we are innately well meaning when we get out of the way everything restores balance and health the best way it possibly can now again health might be a word that we've associated with being a size 4 that's not what mm-hmm. we're saying health is at all but everything will even out. And to the extent that any of us, none of us were born obsessing about food unless you were deprived from day one. And even then it took a little bit, right? So if you are thinking about food all the time and wonder why you are depriving yourself or restricting in some way, physically or mentally. And I just, I love everything you're saying so much. And I've been through it in many phases. I mean, for me too, after an eating disorder, but even more recently in my life, like just hitting a new level of like, wow, why would I even try to eat this health, quote unquote, healthy way when I see that my mind starts getting nutty about food when I do that? I'm no more, no more. And and it's a messy process. So I just, you just said that so yeah. clearly, but I just want to reiterate the stuff will come up. 
the insecurities, the fears of, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I'm letting myself go. And honestly, it just evens out when we can ride ride the way through that. And we may have to make peace with the fact that we'll be in a larger body size than we we think we should be or that we want to be. And can we be okay with that? There's so many aspects to it. There's a lot of people who will say, I just physically feel uncomfortable in my body now that I'm in a bigger size. Like I can't maybe bend over as far. My stomach gets in the way of like, yeah, I get it. I'm, I'm a yoga teacher. Like I can't, for, I can't forward fold like I used to. I can't bend like I used to because I have stomach rolls that prevent me from doing that. But I, I've, I kind of also liken it to when you move into a new house, like if you look at your body as this house that you're living in, if you're, you've been in this one house for so long and now you're in a new house, okay? Like a bigger house, let's say. Okay, well, imagine you go into this new house and you set up everything and you put it away. And this is like my favorite example of it. You're in the kitchen. You're ready to make dinner. You freaking don't know where the the bowls, where you put the bowls are, the spoons are like, where's the pot? And like, you don't, you don't have that rhythm and flow and ease like you did when you were in your old house. It takes a while to get comfortable in the new house. And so I look at it too with the body. It's like it get it takes time to get used to that this is how your body moves now like and to figure out like how do i maneuver this like it's just it's different mm-hmm. but is it bad or wrong when i look at the balance now of how much more emotionally stable i am mentally stable i am how much more balance i have in my life for time to spend with my family to do pursuits that i enjoy to allow myself to rest because i used to just like exhaust i used to get colds all the time and i thought i was just prone to colds no I, it was from probably over exercising and being exhausted and like not eating enough and it was also cold like i thought at one point i live in canada so winter and i re- and i would ski and i remember like I just can't freaking sit on this chairlift anymore. Like I'm freezing. Like it must just be getting older. No, it's because you don't have body fat on you. <laughs> like <laughs> that's why. Once I once I my body gave I gained weight and I balanced out again. Like I love winter. Like I can be outside much longer now. So all of these different things to say that is it really the body that is causing us the issue or is it the thinking that we have about the body? Because if it really like was, I always say this to my clients too. I'm like, if it really was thinness, it was, if it was a fact that if you were, like you said, a size four, that you were guaranteed to be happy and, and healthy and love and live in life, then Everybody who is that size would have to be that way because it's a fact, right? Like it's going to give you that. And we know that's not true. Yeah, That's absolutely not true. It also would have to go that anybody who's in a larger body size would have to be constantly miserable, unhealthy, unhappy. And that's not true. I'm going to tell one more little story just because it's on top of mind now read okay I say to everybody like read the intro now to Malcolm Gladwell's book Outliers okay in the intro he tells this story and I'm gonna 
butcher it maybe a little bit, get some of the facts wrong, but he tells the story of this, I think it was like the 1950s of this small community, I want to say Pennsylvania, and they were immigrants from this town in Italy. And at that time in the 50s, it was all like fat is bad. There was increasing rates of um, heart attacks and heart disease. So they were, the message was like, cut the fat, like don't eat so much meat, like save your heart health, right? And yet this little small community was eaten like, I don't know, pork all the time, like high fat foods, like not following, you know, the American Dietary Association's rules. Um, they were larger bodied, you know, that most of them were like, quote unquote, overweight, according to our BMI standards, which is BS. That's another side note. Anyways, I digress. <laughs> um, and yet, they had such a low incidence of heart disease. Like they were the, they were an anomaly and they were doing everything that they weren't supposed to be doing. And yet they were like healthy and living long lives. And what they realized was that this family, it's probably like a family, this community was so tight knit, like no elderly person was, unsupported. You know, like somebody would be checking up on somebody. They would be sitting outside after dinner and like talking to each other. Or there was such a strong sense of community that that so positively impacted their health. And I think there was a TED Talk recently, not too long ago, that talked about one of the, I know, now I can't remember if it was like long life or happiness. Anyways, it was connection. (laughs) The main thing was connection and feeling supported was like this ingredient to improved health. And yet we're bombarded with this message over and over again, that it's all about body size, that it's all about what you eat. There is so much more that impacts health. I love the stories of like people that they interview. They're like, oh, it's your hundred birthday. Tell me the secret of a long life. She's like, I drink whiskey every day. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like- I, my 13 year, almost 13 year old daughter is constant. She's obsessed. She's like, this person's 107 and they drink a Diet Coke every day. Like she loves those stories. <laughs> yeah. And I like one was like, I don't like one woman just stone cold face was like, I don't eat vegetables. <laughs> you know? like, so again, like we can get so... Um, myopic with this view and it makes sense because it is just out there everywhere. Like you cannot escape it. You cannot escape this messaging. And so that's why it's so important to just be doing this inner work and finding out what's true for ourselves. And what, I mean, we talk about connection with others and community, but, and it's all the same, like even that connection with ourselves. When I think about trying what it go what we go through to try to be in a body that is not our natural body size it is the definition of lack of connection we have to completely shut down our common sense we have to shut down the way that our body's communicating with us we have to convince ourselves of all kinds of crazy things in order to try to push through and go against nature so it's like yes on so many levels right the bigger connection but just the connection with our source and our essence it has has to be severed to force this. It's a it's self-abandonment. Wow. And to say that too, that I'm just noticing you're talking about connection. I'm like, oh, and oh, oh god, the mind's gonna now say, like, oh crap, I gotta have five friends that check out on me every day. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like that's <laughs> another thing. So that that is it's not necessarily that that's now the secret ingredient, but I think right. you're right when you say connection and connection to yourself. I mean, I remember 
So I love like Michael Singer. I know you have followed his work too. And he, he believes like that. I mean, this is his philosophy, but this idea that like we have to be with each other in order to be happy and that we're, you know, we're social beings and that's like a critical key ingredient. Otherwise we can't be happy. And he's like, well, what about these yogis who go out and meditate in caves for 40 years? Like they're good. You know, it's like, yeah. because they have this deep connection to self. So I do think mm-hmm. like, if we really do know that essence of connection to self, and if we are all one and connected with each other, well, then we are connected with everybody. So, yeah. you know, I mean, perhaps that is the way through is like that deep, really that self-realization to see who we really are brings that that sense of well-being then. And that's what the core is. And really everything else, I guess, kind of falls away after that. Yeah, I think of that as like we have certain psychological needs. And when we're operating as psychological humans, we need connection with other people and all this psychological stuff, which is fine, wonderful. If it's available to you, go for it. And then what you're speaking to is something even deeper than that. When we're really connected to our essence, even the psychological quote unquote needs, are, we don't need them so much. Yeah, yeah, I like that distinction. It's a good way yeah. of explaining it. I think it's so, you know, what you're saying about um, people saying like, oh, well, I was just, I feel better in my body when I'm this size or that type of thing. Um, oh my gosh. I mean, it it just speaks to everything you've been sharing here. But that's like the real question behind that is, okay, maybe, but why? not because you're healthier, not because it matters that you can do a forward fold and not feel something in your stomach. Like that's crazy. Why do you feel better? Because I, and people will argue this, of course, right? Like, no, I'm more confident and I'm open up and I want to like be, be intimate with my husband and all this when I'm this weight. And so therefore my life is better. Okay. Yes, I get that. But why? Because someone told you you're a better person that way. And that's the, that's like the seed in this, that if we can keep just cracking that open, it's just huge. Yeah. Because then what happens and, and, and really it's like, well, what is the, what are the thoughts that are going through your mind when you're not meeting this criteria? And then what are the associated feelings with those thoughts? Well, yeah. And so if there's, if they're pretty like negative or not nice thoughts, you're not going to feel good. Right. So it's like, you're right. just, it's just the feeling yes. that that doesn't feel good, but it's based on the thinking. It's yeah. not based on the body. And so there, you know, there, there have been cultures um, across cultures and historically where larger bodies were considered more beautiful. In fact, I'd worked with a woman who was from Iran and she said when she was younger, the ideal was a heavier body and she was thin and she was always getting like teased and mocked for being too small. So again, it's like, it's, it's really just this conditioning. And when we grow up and we only see one narrative attached with a certain body size, and we see the opposite, the further you are away from that body size, we start to believe that that's just what's true. And a lot of it comes to you with this fear of judgment from others. You know, what are people going to think of me? And I, and so I look, start to dig into and say, okay, so what if somebody judges you? What if they do think this about you? Yeah. Then what? Like, what is, what's, what's the problem with that? 
you know, and to start to dig into that. Really like, look at that. Exactly. Like really dig yeah. in and look at it. What is the yeah. problem? Because the thing is, is that people are going to, people judge people. Minds judge minds. Like it's just what happens and you can't control it. And does it even mean anything about you? Like I, I had, um, I was having a session with uh, somebody the other day and they're in a larger size body and they were talking about being at this wedding and they were worried of, well, these new people that she didn't know that, that they were going to dismiss her because she was in a, like we did some digging and it came down to, she didn't like being in a bigger body because these new people were just going to dismiss her as a person because she was in a larger size. And I said, but are they dismissing you? Like, are they really dismissing you? They don't know you. Yeah. What are they dismissing? They're dismissing some idea that they have in their mind. Like, it can't be you they're dismissing. Right, right. Like, and, and, yeah. and how far are we willing to go to try to get someone to have a nice thought about us? Like, yes, who cares? Like you go to the wedding and everyone says, oh, look at her. She must have her life together because she is in that size of body or whatever. Yeah. It's like, really? But you're going to spend the whole rest of your life struggling and fearful of food and making it so small for that, for somebody's yeah. thought? So yeah. it was, it was funny. This was a group coaching session and what we ended up coming away with. So we're on th- this week. It's like, we're on experiment with this, which was they both real, like they were talking, they were realizing, oh, um, I really just am really wanting people to like me. Like, like if I, I just want every, I look in a room and I see these people and I'm just wanting them to like me. And so I said, okay, let's flip it. Like, what if you could go into a room And instead of wanting people to like you, you decide, "Mm, who am I going to like? Like, like, (laughs) who do I feel like I want to talk to? Yeah. And not like in a way of now being like, oh, I'm going to just dismiss these other people. But I mean, really looking at it, like, who do you want to talk to? Yeah. Like, like, we so easily just end up then giving away our our kind of our power or autonomy or a sense of ide- our self-worth to other people. It's like we give it away to other and saying, you're the arbiter of my self-worth. Yeah. Like you are the judge of me. Why, you know, we just hand that away so easily, like without, not on purpose, you know, we don't mean to do that, but that's mm-hmm. what ends up happening. But like, why are they better than you? Because really that's what we're saying is like, I'm in some way kind of lower than you if I need you to like me. Yeah. Like, what if we're just equal? And now it's like, huh, do I, do I find this person interesting? Do I resonate with what they're saying? Are they, is this intriguing and looking at it that way? So anyways, it's an experiment this week and they're going to report back. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, the, the health at every size book for me was so cute. And I, I feel like I knew this, but I didn't know it until I really, really know it until I read that, that there is just a physical range that we, that our body wants to be in. And anyone who is dieted, which is everyone who's listening, I'm sure, knows this. We know how darn hard it is to try to have a body that's outside of what our, where our body wants to be. There was something about hearing it in that book with the science that really clicked for me that I was like, of course, that's why we look around and there's such a variety of body sizes because it's natural. 
not because those people over there have willpower and they're strong people who have their life together and these people let it all fall apart. Not at all. And I think that's just so gigantic to see that what are we even struggling for? When again, it's it's really kind of nearly physically impossible. You can't, I don't see how anyone can really be at peace or happy trying to be outside of a body size that's not their size. So yeah, I don't know. That just yeah. was huge. Yeah, I, I remember listening to uh, just a diff, totally random different podcast of these guys talking and they had this geneticist on and the geneticist was saying like, oh, we, we found out that actually one of the things that's really impacted by genetics is people's body size. So no matter what, like some people are just not going to be smaller and some people are just going to really easily gain weight. And I was like, yeah, yeah, this is, this is great. So is everybody hearing this now? And then of course the guys were like, oh, well, oh, I guess it's going to be harder for me now. I'm working against my genetic. I'm like, no. And I mean, I look at it too, and I'll often say this, like, nature is diverse. Yeah. Like look at, there's actually this, um, this little video you can YouTube called poodle science where it uses, (laughs) did you see it? Yeah. Yeah. It uses dogs and it shows like, you know, this bull mastiff, like trying to look like a poodle and it's just, you know, why are we doing that? And so we accept diversity in life, but we don't accept it in bodies. Now there will be people who say, yeah, but like, you you know, you can still eat yourself and, and get really big. And then when you eat less, you lose weight. It's like, that is, that is true. Like that does happen. But when, when it comes from a place of trying to control yeah. it, it also, and this isn't like a, the, there's a theory right now called set point theory that like, as I talked about earlier, when the body goes into this famine mode, what ends up happening is, is it will say, you know what, let's make it just a little harder for you to lose weight next time, just so we can keep a little extra in case you go into this famine mode again. Like we want to, we want, we're here for survival and we need body mass in order to survive. So that's why it be, like people say, oh, it just becomes harder and harder when you get older to lose this weight. Is it age or is it because of cyclical dieting for your whole time? Like that does become harder and harder because the body's like enough. Like, all right, another famine's coming. We better hold on to some more. So there's so many physiological ways that um, the body's doing it. But again, to come back to this piece of if we're trying to control, so it leads into this binge restrict cycle, the dieting cycle, which ends up holding on to more weight. But if we release all of that and let it go, like that is where we will find our natural set point, like where we will find this balance. Apparently the body can naturally fluctuate about 20 pounds usually when you just are living life and you're not worried about it, which makes sense. Like I often use this example. If I had decided that I'm going to go to Spain and like hike for three months, which sounds amazing. But if I decide to do that, there's a chance I might lose some weight because I'm hiking every day. You know, I, I, it's just versus my, if I was working in an office Mm-hmm. And I was sitting most of the time. It doesn't, and I'm still maybe walking around and doing stuff, but that's just a very different level of exertion. So the body will fluctuate a bit based on lifestyle circumstances. Like, and again, like 
okay, so is it then realistic for me? Like, do I want to spend my life just hiking every day for months and months? Well, probably not. So I'm probably going to do something else different at some point, which means my weight will fluctuate a bit. And that's okay. Like, it's meant to fluctuate. But the more that we control the more we're likely to get so off balance that we have these wide ranging fluctuations, or we might end up being a bit underweight or a bit quote unquote overweight, then the body naturally wants to be due to control. Like it works on both ends. It's just really, it's about making peace with our body size. Like in realizing that it's, it's really not, it's really all learned. And I, I use this because um, I, I use this in my, I have a free guide. And the one of the first exercises I do is I call the desert island visualization, where it's like, imagine that you grew up on this magical desert island where you had everything you wanted and needed. Like you were never lonely. It was all good. It was this happy, magical island. And, but there was no other human around. Like you were the only human that ever existed. How would you feel about your body? What would you be doing? How would you be eating? And like really sit and contemplate that. You had nothing to compare yourself to. There was never an idea that your body should look any different, that it should be any different, that you should eat this way or you should move this way. Nothing. It's just you. that's probably going to be the true source of what you'll do. And then you can see that everything else was an idea that got injected to us by our culture. I love that. And I love, I love especially the piece in that about contemplating, like, how would you eat? I think it's so obvious that you wouldn't put these rules on yourself and this like, okay, I think it's been enough now. Like none of that would play a part in this at all. And your body would just eat what it wants to eat. And it would be so easy, so easy. So I love this conversation so much, Christina. I just, I want us to end on a positive note and share a little bit about the freedom that is possible. Mm. Like, cause I think it's so important that you've shared that this is a messy process. It is absolutely stuff will come up, but there's a, like, it's so, it's so amazing. The freedom that's possible. And one thing I just wanted to share about my experience too, is I think I used to be so bombarded like, oh, but we live in this culture that, you know, thinks this and thinks that. And I know that's still true, but that even like what society says and what culture says and all of that, maybe it's different for you because you're in this work. But like for me, if I'm not talking about this, that's not really a part of my experience anymore. I know, I don't think like, oh, but this is what's on the magazine covers. Like, I just don't even think about that stuff. I see like Lizzo and I see a variety of people and I see all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, is this still a thing? Like sometimes I have to remind myself like, oh yeah, this is still a thing out there. And I'm just saying that because I want people to get a sense of like, you know, we are really projecting everything. So when our mind is obsessed with this, understandably, not our fault, when our mind is obsessed with this, we see it everywhere. But as we find more freedom from this, you don't, you don't feel like an outcast forever. If anything, you feel like, holy crap, thank God I can eat. And thank God this is not in my mind all the time. It's it's actually interesting. I will say in some way, and this was my experience, and I've noticed this in the experience for others, is that in the beginning, you actually see it more. Like you notice the little comments that are made in a TV show that like put down somebody because of their body size. But 
now you see it. Yeah. And you're like, oh, like this is what I was absorbing. And wow, like th- these people still think like are thinking this way about it. So you see it more, but in a good way. It's like yeah. you didn't see it before. You just thought it was normal. So yeah, the positive is like, it is very positive because otherwise I still wouldn't be doing it and I would have just ran back and I don't. It's yeah. like, there's just such a level of ease now. Like I I will say that when we're when we're so worried about our weight and and dieting exercising it's like i say that it it creates this like hum of stress under the surface of life that is just always in the background and we don't even notice it's there until it stops so it's like when i said i walked back into this cage after i started dieting again after i stopped i saw like just this massive increase of stress that happened. And then all of a sudden it's like, nope, can't be doing that anymore. Like also go back out into this messy, mucky swamp, but like it can't be back in this cage. And it's just so much more ease and relaxation. I'm also um, like, <laughs> my husband was like, you're just a lot nicer. Yeah. <laughs> not Seriously. Not so moody. Not, not so, so up and down. Yeah, oh, like yeah. emotionally regulated. Yeah. Um, the joy of going to a restaurant and looking at a menu and being like, what looks good to me versus like, what's the quote unquote better thing I should eat? Like, forget that. Like so much more joy and ease. And and the thing is, is like, that is, that comes on the other side of the messy middle. Like there is that mucky, messy roller coaster middle that happens, but eventually it's like the tough parts become less intense for a shorter time and farther apart until eventually it starts to smooth out. But it's like, it's just this level of freedom. And then really knowing, even when I might have this thought or of like, oh, like my arms look too big in this tank top and then catching that and being like, I don't need to let that stop me. Like, that's just a gosh, that's just what, what an awful thought that I, that I, it so innocently believed. Like, I don't need to believe that. And even if I see other people judging or making negative comments about other people, I'm like, Oh, like I remember what that was like when I used to believe that too. And I kind of, I've often told people, it's like, you might've heard it. You've heard it. I'm sure they call it like diet culture, basically just a commonality in the culture. It's like, I almost say it's like, there's this spell that's been cast on us and you can't break the spell for other people. It just happens like, just like it happened for you. And so it's like, you can't, I just see it now. It's like, oh yeah, like, of course they think that way. Of course they're saying that thing. Like, this is what they're believing. This is just what they're believing. And it really doesn't say anything about me. And I know the pain of that. And I'm like, I know that if they're judging somebody else, that means they're judging themselves because it can't not be that way. Mm -hmm. I know the pain of that. So it's just so much more relaxing, so much more freeing and fun like you know just just to have fun and like not care anymore like yeah like yeah yeah I mean I remember when I was at my thinnest I was in Mexico and all I did was compare myself to this thinner woman beside me the whole time Mm -hmm. I'm not as thin as her I'm not as pretty as her I mean it was and I look back at photos now and I'm like are you kidding me like that I was that thin like that looked like I was like looked gorgeous and not to say I don't look gorgeous now but it's like 
I did, and I never felt But you didn't that. know it. Yeah. Never felt it. And, and then you probably worried the whole vacation about what you were eating and drinking. Whole vacation, and- <laughs> Amy. Whole vacation. Yes. How many churros did I have? Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, I love churro. You Had know? to get home so, and get back on track yeah, and all exactly. that. exactly. And so it was, and I even picked a resort that, like, had, like, workout facilities and stuff because heaven forbid I just go a week without like hitting the gym so the freedom in that and here's the biggest thing I call I call looking at yourself in photos like the final frontier of body acceptance people will often say I feel okay in my body if I'm not like looking at myself or even when I'm in the mirror but all of a sudden I see myself in a photo and I just think I look terrible and I crumble and I like to also say like anyways I I know we're ending it, but to say like, maybe that's because we're looking at a projection of ourselves. Like that's not us. Like we're not that in that photo. So all that's happening is you're just throwing ideas of a body in that photo. It's not you. You're disconnected from you. Like, so of course, like it might feel worse. Um, but to now, like I've had moments now of looking at myself in photos And, you know, I'll still see the parts that I would criticize. Like, I'm like, oh, like my chin, like blah, 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 you know, these things. Mm -hmm. And then it just like, it goes away. And I'm like, wow, like I'm so, look at like how I'm looking into my daughter's eyes. And like, she's looking back at me and like, I'm so glad I have this photo. And that is probably the best feeling is being able to see myself in photos now and see the smile on my face and see the moment instead of just critiquing my body. And I feel like it's not why we take photos anyways, is to capture a moment. And so that is such a, a great place to be into. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. Thank you so much. It's, there is, there's so much so much conditioning, so much messiness in the middle, but so much reward for this. And I think even what we said doesn't even begin to touch it, but I can feel the freedom that you feel. I know the freedom that I feel around it and it's just so worth it. So I'm I'm so grateful for you sharing. Thank you so much. Mm. And I really, everyone listening, like super recommend, listen to this several times, check out, I'll share all of Christina's information she does private coaching and groups and all kinds of stuff. And I mean, this, yeah, it's amazing. Super important work. Thank you. Thank you so much for talking with me about this. Tomorrow, December 6th, I'm leading a free class called Thrive in Times of Challenge and Change. Support yourself and others through stressful times. This class is not only for those of you considering becoming a change coach, although I hope you will join us, but it's really for anyone who wants to thrive and help other people thrive during times of massive change. Challenges such as pandemics, inflation, and political divisiveness offer huge opportunities. This free class will share how our understanding of and relationship with fear is what makes a difference between taking advantage of challenging times versus living in fear and inaction. You can register for the free class at dramiejohnson.com slash become a change coach. I hope to see you there tomorrow. Also, in honor of the holidays, we're offering two of my best programs at a really large discount. From now until the end of 2022, the guided Little School of Big Change course that begins in mid-February is only $3.99. That's $100 off the regular price. And the Change Coach Self-Study Program, a phenomenal self-study for people who want to support others. It includes the Little School of Big Change Self-Study and so much more content specific to coaching is $400 off the regular price check the show notes for links to these courses.